Welcome. This talk was recorded at Insight LA in Long Beach. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit us at InsightLA.org. Welcome everybody in person and online. Anybody new? Anyone first time? Recognize everybody. Just check in. Cool. All right. Yeah. Well, it's nice to be here. Um, it's been a while actually since I um I've been able to to share. Oh, <laughs> my <anchor. laughs> um, One thing I just want to say, you know, uh, being here in person, I don't know what it's like in your environment, but um, there's, a, there's a bit of activity here. And I just want to take, I just want to say something about that because a lot of times our environments are not perfect or whatever we, we mean by that. And like in this meditation today, I thought actually the conditions were quite perfect here in this space they're really perfect because there's a lot of activity here um obviously if you're, if you're meeting in the space then we're with people we're with others and so there's just ambient um being with others types of of uh noises and, and things like this and then we also share a space uh with other practitioners so there's like acupuncture massage and, and this and that so there's people coming and going there's also tenants above us and they're making, you know, just they're, they're, they're awake noises <laughs> and this and that. Right. And, um, and so it's fantastic because we get the interplay, we get the foreground background, right. We get phenomena arising and falling away. And then like, we really focused on that, which knows the, the observer of that, which notices everything arising and falling away and notice that doesn't change, right? It's the only thing in our perceptive reality that doesn't shift and change. And that's how we know. So how do we know that we're coming into, talk, into contact with wakefulness or awareness or whatnot? Like I say a hundred times, you know, we leave awareness, but awareness never leaves us. So like when you tap into to wakefulness, like I know this is here, I'm breathing and I know that I'm breathing. There's a sound and I know there's a sound. The sound will go away, that which knows stays right so if you get to notice this arising and falling away a lot during the practice and this can bring you back into that that place like without things stirring right uh, we get caught in the mind stirring so this is obviously a constant that the mind is stirring not an absolute constant because like in meditation it does seem to it can slow but but when we're caught in that it's hard we don't always bounce out of it, but when there's something unexpected that happens, then it can actually assist our, our meditation because we're like, oh, a noise. And then, you know, in the beginning, usually if we're beginning meditators, we're like, oh, that noise sucks. Quiet down, noise, you know, I'm trying to meditate. But we could always say, I'm awake. I'm awake again. Look at noise. Noise is here abiding falling away i'm still here what's still here who or what is still here we investigate that right that's something right time and time again so all all of that 
all that ambient noise, that, that external environment stuff, you know, the internal environment too, it can be like sharp knee pain or something like this. This is all good. It's stimulating. It's like, oh, I'm awake. I'm awake. And so we could use it. We could use it all. And that judgment too. Oh, I wish this would go away. Da, da, da. That's something else to just obviously notice. Like, oh, hello again, you know, judgment mind. But of course, awareness can never judge because it's that which is noticing judgment. And judgment is nothing more than a thought. And then we say, I'm thinking, who's thinking, what's thinking, noticing, thinking. I'm back, right? Thought falls away, I don't fall away. Phenomena falls away, I don't fall away. An emotion falls away, I don't fall, fall away. Body changes, I'm still here, right? All of that. So, um, I just wanna take a, a, a little note from um, what, one of the reasons why I um, wasn't able to to teach uh, for for quite a while is uh, the company that I run alongside a psychiatrist friend of mine, uh, Sustainable Caring. We were running a big event, and I have a little little um, insight in after this event that I want to share with you. So the event was one of those online conferences, and it was for physicians. And we heard somewhere, oh, or not somewhere, heard from a a friend of mine that has done them before, like. A formula would have 21 speakers. So you have 21 speakers for uh, three speakers a day for seven days, which is a lot of speakers. I, I just I said, okay, I just wrote notes. I'm like, okay, we're gonna do it like that. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of speakers. <laughs> Come to find out, right? But um, so we had this amazing panel of of speakers, and it was really great. We had over 600 people sign up, which is super amazing, and it was wonderful and and it was a benefit and, and all of that. But my takeaway, so it was for physicians, like I said, physician wellness for burnout and all this stuff. My takeaway from, from that was at the end of the day, what I noticed was that people are looking for connection. So there was so much wisdom and, and, and I'm gonna share it actually, I'm gonna share the content with, with um, like on our marketing materials and whatnot, we have over 11 hours of content from these amazing speakers and they're phenomenal. We've had, we had some amazing speakers come in. I'm gonna share that with you. And so the wisdom was great, but our takeaway when we kind of debriefed from the event was these people are looking for, for connection and, and, and also like this kind of, um, you know, we had live Zoom calls and people would, would, would come in, you know, uh, daily and whatnot, and they were smaller. And, and that was really where the connection happened. Like people really want a connection and people want like live and in-person and um, even virtually in-person and small batch, you know, like small connections, you know, like, like this, like the Sangha. And that was like kind of my takeaway was there's so much wisdom to be to be had and, and gained and whatnot. And, and really what we, we should really look for when we're like wisdom seeking, it mostly is that, is that connection piece that is so strong. And what I noticed like in a, a lot of these wellness programs and whatnot is everyone's turning to the apps and everything. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's scalable and you can reach all your employees because they can jump on the app and now that I've been in this industry for quite a while, we're doing all this testing and you call up all these agencies and these 
companies and time and time again, oh, we have that, we have that. How many people use them? Nobody uses them. <laughs> this is because there's no connection, right? And and it's not like small batch, it's it's big. Um, I'm using this for a small batch because I, I got it from dog food. You never go look for dog food and they say, this is a great brand, a small batch. <laughs> um, it, it's not mass produced. There's always room for a new dog food manufacturer because once they get a certain size, you know, they get these really big, you know, uh, obviously places where they make the food and everything and people really want small and intimate. And I remember a talk that Wendy and I had a long time ago and it's about growing the sangha and we're like, yeah, we don't really want to grow that big. Where it's actually, I think when we're moving into this room, we're like, we don't want to grow that big. Like we just, we want to be, we want to go deep with each other in, in, in this way, right? So this is a great little segue into um, uh, Anam Tupton, who we're gonna we're gonna cover today. Some teachings of Anam Tupton, one of my one of my favorite teachers. He's a Nyingma, a Dzogchen Tibetan uh, teacher, and um, you know I've told this story before too, but it it just kind of connects with what I was saying, which was um, when I was living at a, a Dharma center. A dear Dharma friend of mine told me, "You have to come and see this." young Tibetan teacher we're meeting at his house like we meet in his backyard in his living room and there's only like five or six of us and he's super incredible and uh I was spoiled with dharma because so I was living at a center we had all these amazing teachers come and and I was like and that was like an hour away <laughs> it doesn't seem like a long but I was, I was so spoiled we we're living at the center and uh and he kept telling me about this amazing Lama. And, and again, he had, he had this really intimate, amazing connection, small batch. It was just like, just a few, a few people were coming to see him. And it was, it was Anam Tupton. And to this day, it's one of my life's regrets. I never got up there by the time that I saw him. He was like a Dharma superstar. You know, he had written the book. Actually, this book is taken from some of the talks that my friend sat in in his living room. It's literally some of these chapters or that. I was like, oh my gosh. So, but I, I mentioned that too, to like I've said before, always take advantage of 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 these instances. If you if you if somebody's authentic, if you hear like, oh somebody's authentic, they're amazing. And you could you could actually have a connection, which is sometimes very difficult with with a really authentic teacher. It's super, super rare that is an authentic teacher and that you could have a connection with an authentic teacher is super rare you know um this is kind of an out there story but i just kind of thought of it so it just kind of comes to mind the 16th karmapa you know the karmapa is the head of the, the kagyu school in tibetan buddhism so the dalai lama is the head of the Gelug school the karmapa is the head of the um kagyu school the 16th karmapa not the one that's here today but he was being interviewed one time and he said um if I meet somebody, if I meet somebody in life, anyone I meet, when they die, they come to me. Did I tell you this? Mm -hmm. I was telling somebody else's story. It's an interesting story. He's like, when 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 they die, I see them. <laughs> and most of the time I can help them. Like I can help them go from here to there or whatever. But if I've seen them, even if I've seen them or you know, met them, connected with them just one time, no matter who they are, when they pass away. I see them and they, 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 they come and do this thing. And I was just like, wow, like 
one connection, one time with one being that is fully there and present. Like it doesn't matter how small he said, it's just, you know, that he, he can make that connection. So yeah, I think it's interesting. Anyway, so Anand Dutton, uh, really phenomenal. His book, he's got more than one, but this one, No Self, No Problem, is so clear and so amazing. And what I love about it is that it really tackles the, the depth of the teaching, but in a way that's very digestible. And what I mean by that is, I mean, the first chapter, like you think this is going to be an, an incredibly deep, profound kind of like something that maybe we really can't grasp onto. The very first line is pure consciousness, our true identity. That's like chapter one, first okay. line, like pure consciousness, our true identity. Like he just jumps right into it. And then when you get into it, it's like totally digestible. Like he's saying the, the, the step, he's going to the very end of the path, speaking of non-self, I mean, even the title, no self, no problem. And then he's doing it in a way that's completely what I what I find when I read this book is it's really inspiring. It's mm -hmm. like it's not like he's not trying to overcomplicate things or do some kind of like dharma gymnastics, you know, about self and not. It's inspiring. It's like wanting me to like jump into things, right? So I'll kind of start with something here. talking about kind of jumping jump, jumping into the deep end in a way. But so he's talking about true realization. True realization is knowing that everything is an illusion. Without having that realization, there's no freedom. Therefore, the goal of the true spiritual path is bringing about the realization in our mind and then living each and every moment in that realization. What I like about this is a lot of times we don't know what we're looking for. Like what is, what is, an, what is enlightenment? What is enlightened mind? Right, what is it that we're we're seeking? And he's put it in a term, he's using the word illusion. Like it's clear seeing, you know, like he's talking about right view, right? The first of the, of the full path, right view is everything is, a, is an illusion. It exists, but not in the way that we think it does. Realization is the heart of awakening. Without, without that, there's no freedom. There's no liberation. Even though we think that we are transforming and that we are getting somewhere, actually we're just having another spiritual high, another spiritual illusion. The truth is that there's no transformation happening without this realization. The real question is how can we realize this truth? How can we realize that everything is nothing but illusions? Especially when we feel that our suffering is real. How can we realize that all the negativities and unwanted conditions such as illness or simply illusions. It is not always easy to realize that everything is an illusion, even when we're having a good time. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna be this next one too. So he talks about like, this is, this is the unraveling of the illusion. So he says like, how do we do it? And so this is a little encapsulation of kind of how, how we can do it. Meditation is completely, is resting completely. So this is why I kind of did the meditation we did today. Not just physically resting, but resting completely. Complete rest includes letting go of all forms of mental effort. Mind is always busy doing something. Mind has a, has a huge job to do. I love this. It has to sustain the universe. 
<laughs> it has to sustain existence because if our mind collapses, there's no universe. Mm. Just like the Buddha says, nothing's real. There's no nirvana. There's no samsara. There's no suffering. There's no imprisonment. There's nothing there when the mind stops maintaining this virtual reality. There is no universe. It's like riding a bicycle. When you ride a bicycle, you have to constantly keep pedaling. If you pause and stop pedaling, the bicycle doesn't run on its own, it just falls over. In the same way, as long as we don't create this imaginary world, this imaginary reality, then it just collapses. Whatever you call it, samsara, reality, or illusion, it collapses. It collapses because there's no one there constantly working to perpetuate it. Mm. Right? So this is the, the this great meta, this great non-doing. Right, this non-doing of just al allowing that to to collapse, right? <clears throat> we are non-material. He talks about the body here. Maybe I'll I'm gonna I'm, I'll maybe backtrack. I'm gonna keep going with this one because it's in line with what you're saying. We are non-material. We are insubstantial. We are not like a table that eventually breaks down. The very essence of who we are goes beyond the conditions of decay and impermanence. Yes, our body is impermanent, but our true nature is not impermanent. Our true nature is deathless and divine, transcending all imperfections. Because of this, we are all equal. We're all, we are all one. Nobody is better or worse than anybody else. When someone manifests their true joy, they live out of love, kindness, and joy. I'm sorry, when someone manifests their true nature, they live out of love, kindness, and joy. They inflict less pain on others. When we meditate, sooner or later, we discover that this is not an abstract theory. This corresponds to the truth, to reality. So he's giving a little bit of insight onto what we are. So he talked about in the beginning of what we're not, right? A lot of times, we, you know, we manifest this, this, um, this universe and, and whatnot. And this is all about who we think we are. And then he's talking to like, okay, once this dissolves, he's talking about how we manifest, like when we, I like how he put like how we um, manifest their true nature. It's more like finding our true nature, but, you know, then they live out of love, kindness, and, and joy. So love, kindness, and joy is when we drop the illusion. You know, time and time again, my heart is just, you know, so full when and we uh, I definitely talked about this last time we just talked about just the grasp of of of, the, of this solution how strong it is and and in and impermanence you know um you know I, I saw someone was just on uh just on social media this this guy he he lost somebody dear dear to him and He's a, he's a young guy, a young guy, and he, he lost somebody dear to him. And he had a great job and, and everything. And he ended up just becoming homeless. It just crushed him, you know, just beyond, just beyond, right? He just couldn't, couldn't fathom. And so there's this paradox of, of understanding this suffering of like, it's being, it's, it's here and it's real and, and whatnot. And then how could we allow ourselves to 
even logically, how can we allow ourselves to be with this impermanence that's so consistent and so constant? And not like suffering is not going to arise when there's loss, when we suffer loss. But the illusion, the, the, the illusion of permanence, you know, the illusion of permanence, like, you know, I think it was an outer order death, you know, that he was experiencing. So somebody younger. There's this great, you know, Zen story of his of his Zen master losing his losing his son, and the, the pupil says, Master, but it's an illusion. He says, Yes, but losing a child's like that the greatest of all illusions mm -hmm. you know he's like bear with me here <laughs> like this is the greatest of all illusions right and yet there's still some stability when there is a knowing of what we are beyond the illusion you know if if we're saying that you know i i am this manifestation and this is that manifestation and I am more than that. And even that which I lose is more than that manifestation, right? This manifestation, you know, actually is just a blink of an eye, like whatever we, we say, whatever we make up that we are today, like I'm 48 years old and I'm blah, 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 whatever, I'm male, blah, blah, blah. Like even this has changed, it's already gone, right? Because I, I was 48 years old and 10 days and so many hours and that's 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 gone so that casey is gone already right that casey it's okay to say that casey that casey existed but that casey is gone right so it that casey appeared but it's not the whole of what we are and this is this is what we're contacting is that that part of us that sees the illusion as the illusion but i you know i love like there's relative reality and ultimate reality, right? Ultimate truth and relative truth. They're both true. Yeah, I exist in this form, but not in the wholeness. And that's where we get confused. We look at it as like, this is that. There's nothing else. It's like, this is a phone, period, right? This is a computer, right? It's manifesting as a computer, right? So he says, try this. He says, you know, pay attention to your breath in silence. Right? Don't don't actually try this, but <laughs> I'm sorry, my setting. Um, try this. He said, pay attention to your breath in silence. Look at your mind. Immediately we see that thoughts are popping up. Don't react to them. Just keep watching your mind. Notice that there's a gap between each thought. Notice that there's a space between the place where the last thought came to an end and the next one hasn't arrived. In this space, there's no I or me. That's it. And he goes on to say, it's just that simple. Like, you know, he's, he's sick because people are like, how do I achieve this? He's like, just do this. Just pay attention. Notice. And I think we've maybe all heard this before. They like, pay attention to the space between thoughts. I remember it drove me nuts. It drove me absolutely bonkers because... I was like meditating and trying to find the space between the darn <laughs> thoughts. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. did it happen? Did I see the space? Whatever. You know what I mean? And and nothing happened. Even when I did think that there was space in between, you know, thoughts or whatnot. 
but or, I, or isn't it a thought to be looking for the yeah exactly <laughs> there's so much striving and trying to catch that that space or whatever right but over over the years i've actually I, you know offer like a translation of this you know i think that i see where he's he's at here it's actually not about whether there's a space or or not there's always a space there's always a space between the thinker and the knower of think of thinker of thinking right um really there's a space between attaching or not attaching like as soon as we wake up to thoughts are arising right thoughts are arising and we're waking up to there's a thinker i can notice this and there's that which knows so that which knows is the space it doesn't matter if there's a, an actual space again if you jump into the thought that this is the space the space is when you jump back out mm -hmm. you know so there's always space if you're if there's always space if you're noticing what's arising like this is the space you know um We might want to apply this simple inquiry. This is something else, another section, but here it ties in. We might want to apply this simple inquiry whenever a problem arises. We feel angry or disappointed. We simply ask, who was the one being angry or disappointed? In such inquiry, inner serenity can effortlessly manifest. Right? My thoughts. Who owns the thoughts? There's space. Angry? Who or what is angry? There's space. And, and it's wonderful because in that inquiry, right, which is an entire practice, right, who or what am I, right, who is angry, in that inquiry, there's full enlightenment there, right, there's that, that full dropping of illusion because we can't find it, <laughs> we can't find a permanent fixed version, like, who is angry, who or what is experiencing this, this anger, right, if we go to 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 literally find it, we have a very hard time. If you have found it, come back. Please <laughs> tell me. I will sit at your feet. Um, but it is that in that release of non-finding permanent fixed self again, and that's the key. The illusion is like we exist, and that's fine. But in a permanent fixed way, we know that's not true. Therefore, we cannot exist definitively because it's always shifting and changing. You know, a pencil comes together for a moment as a pencil. You take rubber from like a rubber tree, take lead, we mine the lead, we take wood from a, a tree, then we put it all into a pencil, then you have the metal, you know, mined from the earth, you know, and you wrap it all around and you go like that. It's a pencil, it's a pencil, it's not, right? A pencil just exists as it interdependently arising from a whole bunch of materials, right? And then it's gone. Right, just like somebody might manifest as a jerk or manifest as somebody pretty for a little while or somebody kind for a little while. But see, we cannot say that that is permanent in a fixed way. And then the mind perceiving is different. If I say pencil, that's one thing. But if I say my pencil, that's totally different. So even the pencil is different depending on who's viewing the pencil, right? If, if somebody breaks Sue's pencil, I don't care. <laughs> break Sue's pencil, right? If you break my pencil, all of a sudden Different I care. <laughs> What's that? Different story. Different yeah. story. <laughs> Different story. Right? So even the pencil can't even exist as a pencil. Universally the same, right? 
So it doesn't take long to notice illusion of what Buddha is saying, what Anam Sutra is saying. It doesn't take it doesn't take much to break down the illusion, right? So what is it then? You know, is it is it a tree? Is it is it lead? Is it is it rubber? Is it pencil? Whose pencil? Like what's the emotional attachment or whatever, right? And even of course, a, a small child's not going to see it as a pencil. Uh, my dog's not going to see it as a pencil, right? So it can't even truly exist even as a pencil, right? But again, just to go back real quick, but if Sue labels it pencil and labels it her special pencil, you see the attachment. And when I broke it, we all laugh because there's suffering. And we understand the suffering of me and mine and, and making it the pencil, right? And that's just a pencil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't touch my pen, Susan. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch. Yeah. Let alone something else. You know, um, I was walking my dog just a few days ago, and uh, it was early in the morning. It was getting darker. It's staying dark early. So it was like 6 30 in the morning, and I'm walking just like two doors from my house and um, and I hear a car crackling. Like there's a car in the side, it's really, really quiet, really quiet. And the car is making noise. And I'm like, why is that car making noise? It's kind of like the, the, the car, you know, if, you, if the car is hot oh, and it's cold yeah. and it crackles, yeah. you know, but I'm like, it just doesn't feel right. You know what I mean? Like, because well, why would somebody come home and park there at 630? And why would it be hot? And I don't know, it doesn't seem like I'm standing there. And uh, it's kind of taking it in. And then I lean down for some reason, I'm just leaning down, it's all pitch black. And I, it flashes, those are tools. I hear tools. Uh -oh. I hear clinking of metal on metal. <laughs> now he's just across the street. Like I'm across the street. So I'm like looking in and it's pitch black and I can't see anything. Excuse me here, but I'm like, what the F are you doing? <laughs> and because um, I know immediately he's stealing a catalytic converter. Yeah. yeah. Right. And it just dawned him. I'm like, what the F are you doing? <laughs> and, uh, and he and he starts speaking to me like in, in Spanish, and um, he's telling me, "Hold on a minute, I'm trying to fix something." I said, "Are you <laughs> f bomb um, stealing a catalytic converter right now?" And he's like, "He says that again," and I say, "Get the <laughs> out of there! Like you're caught! Like what are you still doing?" Right? So I was like, "What? What? What with you?" I'm also judging how long it's going to take me to run back. <laughs> and this is kind of my point because it's not my, it's not my truck. So I'm trying to get him not to steal that. At the same time, he's got tools and I'm like, he could throw that tool or whatever. Maybe he, I'm going to scare him and he's going to run. And I, and Wolfie, my dog, he doesn't run. Like if I, if he's going to smell, he just, he's up smelling stuff. I'm going to have to pick him up and run. So I'm gauging <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna run if he, but I'm gonna act tough in the meantime. So I'm yelling, get that. So yeah, he he uh, runs back and then then he ends up taking off and running. But my point is, is that the me and mine. So for one, it wasn't mine. When I met the the owner, he was so livid, you know, that the guy was stealing his thing. He's like, I would have caught him, man. I would have done this and I would have done that. And um, 
and just the manifestation of the of the of, of, like he felt and totally I get it you know he felt personally attacked his his what he was like his you know it was very very personal and just to see the relationship the the, the difference between that um and also you know with the dharma practice too like I had total compassion for the guy too you know like he doesn't want to be doing that that sucks you know like to have to be to that that's the way that you're making your living and eating today you know having to having to do that so um you know I definitely had had compassion for him uh as well and of course I didn't want him to do it for like his karma the other guy's karma and all and all that other stuff but uh but yeah the strong the strong attachment you know to that Anam Tutin, you know, I, I do want us to go um, in, into groups here and, and have that. He's really big on kindness, you know, as a way of understanding this. Uh, one of my favorite quotes, which I use use a lot in here, is when somebody asks him, it's actually in this book, like how, actually a whole chapter, um, am, I, am I improving? And he's like, you're, you're improving in your practice if, if you're noticing that you are more kind, plain and simple, uh, because like he mentioned, you know, when, when we, when we, when we lose that, that connection to that illusion, people live with more kindness and, and joy and, and happiness. So um, when we accept the way things are, we're able to love everything and everybody. When we're not able to accept even one thing in this world right now, then how can we ever develop boundless love? Lack of, a, a lack of acceptance is conflict. Conflict is pain. And I love in that one paragraph how he merged wisdom and compassion, which is so important to note. Like we're only having this wisdom of the illusion so we can live as the heart, like living as the heart of compassion and kindness. Like, like in that story, the, the guy, like even if somebody, I, I, I'm going to, I hope I would feel this way. Even if somebody stole my <laughs> my uh, catalytic converter, hopefully I could say, oh, that sucks. And I have compassion. The fellow, you know, that had it stolen, it was just all anger. There's just nothing there, right? So he was outside of that heavenly abode of, of living from, from the heart, right? He, that wasn't in his world. Right, he wasn't able to to be in that. I'll share this one thing about the heart, just from the Dalai Lama. Um, Anutin says, "I remember listening to the teachings of His Holiness the Dalai Lama recently. He is so kind. He never really criticizes anybody. He was talking about terrorists, but he never called them terrorists. He simply called them mischievous people." <laughs> many great spiritual teachers have said that if your mind is completely engrossed in compassion then we can be 100 confident that you're on the right track if you are able to hold everyone in your heart if you're able to love everyone without any discrimination that means that you are on the right track it doesn't matter whether we have knowledge about buddhism or not whether we are intellectually sophisticated or not whether we are a beginner or not we know that we're on the right track because our heart is blessed by compassion and loving kindness. Mm -hmm. Life is extremely short. It's like a snap of your fingers until the time we die. So we have to realize that ultimately there's nothing to gain and nothing to lose. Ultimately, there's no enemies. There are no friends. There's not even an I. From this moment on, the only thing that matters is to live life in compassion, 
awareness and wisdom. And then we decide that, and then we decide that then, and our heart opens and we experience being and bliss. No matter what is happening outside, we're still able to experience inner bliss because we're able to see that every situation in this life is the divine dance of truth. So beautiful. Yeah. yeah. And then we decide that, I don't know if this is a typo or what, then we, then when we decide that, then our heart opens, though I get it, when we decide to live from compassion, wisdom, and awareness. And when, when we decide that, then our heart opens and we experience being in bliss. No matter what is happening outside, we are still able to experience inner bliss because we're able to see that in every situation in life, every situation in life is the divine dance of truth. So beautiful. Not the way I read it was beautiful, but beautiful. <laughs> Um, the last thing I'll say just I love I mean he just hit everything in here with a compassion awareness and wisdom from this moment on the only thing that matters is to live life in compassion awareness wisdom I mean he hit if you just succinct everything down right compassion obvious awareness awareing that that separateness the spaciousness I said it's always there wisdom everything's changing Whenever I hear wisdom, I just impermanence. But the basis of wisdom in the Dharma in the Dharma world, you know, wisdom is just knowing that things change. So if we live from that, we're golden. You know, we could always be free from that attachment, right? To to that. Um, so if anything resonated with you today, you could speak on to that in, in your smaller groups. Um, I was going to just kind of being able to share each other's wisdom with that attachment to me and mine, because at the very basics, this is this is um, just a good uh, summary of what he's saying. It's like when we when we have that I, there's no self, no problem. But where where is their self? <laughs> where is their self? Like we could just um, talk generally speaking or whatnot. When when do you feel grasping arise? Right. I, can, I think we could all share in that and then or like what would you like to release like not not to be so so controlling about um or anything so you could speak to that or anything that resonated with you to, today is that cool mm -hmm. all right cool so yeah if you're here in person go ahead and turn to those around you and um yeah a group of three-ish is good and then um, I will put everyone online in a group. Okay. One moment. All right, welcome back, everybody. Um, oh, the the meeting thing went haywire on me. My bad, but um, that's okay for now. We only have a couple minutes left. So, yeah. Sorry, I brought you back quickly. I I. I the time got away from me, so I didn't give you any warning. It was just like one minute back. So sorry if people were caught off guard there. Uh, yeah, so we have a few minutes left. Anyone want to share with the larger group? Uh, we have time for one or two uh, group shares. Yeah. Yeah, then good morning. Thank you so much for this talk. Um, I feel at a place where I'm cool with like the pencils, not really a pencil and it's not my pencil and it's just a pencil. But uh, if someone is disagreeing with me or 
there's a way that like, oh, well, I would have done it this way. You know, my thinking, my thought process, my opinions, my view of the world, my worldview, whatever. I got a lot of self on that. Um, and so it's, it's um, illustrative to talk about pencil, car, you know, catalytic converters. But like, for me, I find a lot of self in the way that I think. Um, and yeah, that's where I find a lot of self. Yeah, I totally get you. And what, one thing that I, I feel the same way within myself, and one thing I'd like to do is play a game of like, when does it become mine? Because the uh, thoughts arise out of nowhere, just kind of just like this, this thing, you know, and when does it, how does that work? Like a thought arises out of nowhere, just like a sound. And then when does it become mine? And then of course, like we could say like, who's the owner where's the owner all that stuff um but i i i feel that within myself i feel that when i go on social media people you attack a belief you attack a person you know and we go to war over that so um yeah thank you for sharing i really resonate with that thank you for your talk as excellent as usual uh in our group we were talking about uh you know this whole thing of maintaining compassion and, and relative truth and ultimate truth mm -hmm. and the difficulty in maintaining that kindness when it's clear you're being taken advantage of. And mm -hmm. the topic that came up was, you know, real estate, bad tenants, people who are buying new cars but not paying you rent. And uh, mm -hmm. how do you how do you keep your uh, your compassion and your heart open when people are obviously mistreating you and you know right. that, that's where the the rubber hits the road that's where <laughs> you know where where the work yeah. happens so yeah, thank absolutely. you so much for your talk thank you thank you all right i want, I want to respect everyone's time and we're about that at, at that time so let's just move into the our posture one last time dedicate the merit you know, someone here in our group was, you know, just said the phrase like being being human is hard. And just to your your point, Anthony, just reaching into a heart and just paying attention to this truth that being being human is hard and we have relative reality, we have these difficulties, we have thoughts and beliefs and they're real that they the manifestations of which can cause suffering to others we have real laws that are in place and political things and, and then there's something more there is space there is kindness there is shifting and changing so as we dedicate the merit today maybe we dedicate the wisdom to hold both the wisdom to hold kindness and compassion and wisdom. And also to manifest that kindness and compassion into action that can change things for the better for people, for ourselves. Nothing that we have talked about today is speaking to non-action, compassionately speaking in the real world. 
So may all beings everywhere with that exception, may they all be happy, truly, truly, truly happy, ourselves included, and free from suffering. Thank you all so very, very much. You have just listened to a recording from Insight LA in Long Beach. For more information, please visit us at insightla.org.